This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also access at cortezcurrents.ca. In the three years since they hired Bruno Perrara, Quatham Lagos Management Corporation has purchased the Clahouse Wilderness Resort, Gorge Harbor Marina, a water taxi, a piece of oceanfront property for a combined campsite RV park, and entered into the seaweed business. They intend to add another 20 units, a larger store and gas station at the Gorge Harbor Marina. Quatham Lagos is also considering building a hydroponic vegetable garden and electrifying their land transport fleet. Bruno Perrara is the manager of Quatham Lagos, and in a recent interview, he told Cortez Currents, I know there's buzzwords going around ESG, environmental, social governance, and, and I do believe and I adhere to those principles a lot, but what does it mean for us in terms of daily operations? So every new project that we start, we try to make it right from the start. Even if it means a little bit more investments here, a little bit more investments there, at the end, it's what we will create for the future. So we're not looking for a quick buck. We're not looking for something uh, cheap or something not well thought of. We really want to make sure things are done properly and to the best of our knowledge and to the best of the available technology as well. Because sometimes we have ambitions, but we are uh, restrained by the technology out there. How did you come to be involved with Quatham Legacy? A little over three years ago, I was approached by a headhunting company. They found a, a few things that I've done and asked me if I wanted to help Cotton Vegas and Clahus to reset their corporation. That was the term they used, reset. And I love challenges. I said, yeah, let's move to BC and let's make things happen for these people. I'm a bit of a maniac when it comes to projects and, and businesses and new ideas. I love it. But none of this would have been possible without the help of uh, amazing people. And I want to name them because I think it's so important. Chief PC, trust me from day one. He's amazing in delegating and knowing who's supposed to be where. I sometimes came with crazy ideas. Uh, on paper, sometimes they look crazy, but he always listened to me and always said, Bruno, do it, make it happen. And if it doesn't, we'll learn something out of it. That relationship that I had right from the get-go with Chief PC as the chair uh, of the corporation and as the chief was instrumental, was critical for the success of all these projects. I also have to thank a few of my employees. Uh, Paul Muskie out of Paul River is a gem. He's amazing, completely dedicated to this company. He's, he works on my time and my time is weekends, nights, mornings. Sometimes I get a call from him on Saturday morning. I'm at the office. I'm like, where are you, Paul? He goes, oh, I'm at the resort. I'm fixing this. I'm bringing brushers in. I'm like, wow, well, we're lucky to have you. So uh, Paul Muskie, two thumbs up. Chris Tate at the resort, amazing person, amazing employee, so competent in what he does. We're super fortunate to have top-class employees at QXMC. And that's what allowed me as the conductor of all of this to create this team, this family, and this success with all of them because they all adhered to the cause. They all trusted me. I can be a bit intense sometimes, but at the end, we see what hopefully people will see as great successes and great projects. And not every success is, a success is translates by, by money and profit. The job creation, the job, uh, the, the experience that they're, they're getting, the blossoming of some of these people. The same way I get entrusted by the chief, and that's the way I, that's the way I see my role as well. I trust my employees. I tell them, try things. If you fail, I won't blame you. I'll be happy because... We learn by failure again, much more than successes. Tell us a little bit about your background. 
I was born and raised in Montreal from Portuguese parents. We weren't rich at all, but I had food and a roof. And that's, what, that's all I need. I didn't see the difference in, between me or a friend that had more money. So that's how I learned um, my first lessons, my first instincts. And uh, rapidly, I had a very entrepreneurial fiber in me. I was a paper boy, I think by the age of 10, I wanted to make money. I wanted to see how things work. Then uh, after college, university, I started working in banks. I wasn't too happy. So I started my own businesses. I started flipping houses. After going to Europe and Asia a little bit, I worked in Hong Kong and Luxembourg and Paris. I ended up working with Crees up um, in Northern Quebec. That was my first introduction with First Nations. And I loved it. I had a uh, connection with these people that was very uh, natural. After staying, working for the Crees up north in Quebec for a little bit more than 10 years, I got approached by a headhunting firm, Boyden, which I thank uh, immensely for finding me in James Bay and giving me the opportunity to come to Clahouse. That was almost four years ago. So my background is a little bit everywhere, but I did a lot of startups, a lot of real estate, a lot of traveling. I like to keep myself busy and it helps me because it brings me different perspectives and different approaches to problems and situations. I think that's what uh, makes who I am ultimately. When they hired me, they said, you can live in Campbell River and Vancouver. I said, no, no, no. I want to live in the community. They said, well, we don't have any lodging. I said, I'll sleep in my RV in the community, but I need to be amongst you guys. That's how we're going to be successful. A lot of people have helped me. Anita Noble offered me her apartment, then rented me her apartment in her house. There's also other people like Yvonne Louis, Denise Hansen. They all helped me getting integrated and understanding the necessities, the requirements, the, the objectives of the community. One of Pereira's first acts as the new manager of QXMC was to purchase what is now known as the Clahouse Wilderness Resort. The resort has been one of my greatest achievements in Clahouse. We understood very, very quick uh, after my arrival, that we needed to control the narrative a little bit more in terms of tourism offer. And by controlling the narrative, I mean controlling accommodation, logistics, transportation. So this resort was really the stepping stone for the corporation to grow through its tourism division and also to diversify from forestry. Because forestry, if some years it's good, some years they're bad, we needed something else. The resort was really that stepping stone, that foundation that we needed to, to make it happen. Once I got to the resort, I started looking around and uh, it was run on diesel, which I didn't like it. The, the CO2 footprint that we generate is basically diesel consumption is 38 tons of CO2. So by completely cutting the, the diesel generator and going completely uh, fully on hydroelectricity, we reduce our carbon footprint of uh, 38 tons of CO2 per year. Boats, that's another story, right? We still run our boats on diesel until we have technology that will help us. But the resort per se, if we cut the diesel completely, that's it. We had a small Peloton wheel and uh, we've been running on hydroelectricity for a while now, but only in periods where we don't require a lot of energy. It is old. We're, we're not efficient. We can't harness the water properly. We would, in the best scenarios, maybe... 
get one kilowatt out of that wheel. Right away, I said, okay, let's build a new dam, let's build tanks, let's bring capacity to store energy, battery packs and all. Obviously, it was a lot of money, but I wanted this to happen right from the start because I wanted to reduce completely the footprint of that resort as much as we can and be responsible citizens. There's been a lot of criticism of the way run-of-the-river projects impact fish populations. Pereira explained that this is not a problem at the resort. There's very few fish up high where we uh, installed the dam. There's nothing, it's too steep. It's basically a, um, a waterfall. The Segway is good because it's so steep that we lose all that energy. So the, the key is to create that dam, but also the dam is not sufficient if the water freezes and there's severe droughts in the summer. So we face periods where we don't have enough current, enough stream to generate uh, energy. We need to have a backup. The battery packs, if we're lacking some, we can rely on those batteries. And the system is simply amazing, I find. I mean, I'm not an expert in it, but when I see it, I just freak out, right? I become all geeky because it's basically a, a container, a sea can. And inside there's inverters, obviously, that convert the energy generated by the wheel to be stored in the batteries. So all the batteries are, are protected inside a CCAN. The inverters we can control and monitor remotely. That was the option because changing the wheel would make it more efficient in terms of generation, but not in terms of storage of energy. How many days could you run off that battery tap? I think it's three to four. Those are the numbers that were given to us at the beginning. The new wheel will generate 12 kilowatts. So we're multiplying by 12 the amount of energy that we were able to generate from that same creek. When does the new system become operational? The old one obviously is still running, but we are building the new one. Right now, it's a new dam. So we need concrete reinforcement. There's a bit of civil engineering going in there. Then the new intake. So the pipe that brings the water to the wheel. We need to set up a new station for the wheel, a shed and then connect all these new elements to the CCAN containing the inverters, the converters, and the batteries. I, I don't want to rush it, but we're hoping in the next four to six months, everything will be done. As I was preparing for this, I was looking over some notes, and I see that you have a number of other, should I call them green ventures, in mind as well, like a hydroponic vegetable garden, electrifying your land transportation fleet. Right. I know you're doing things with seaweed too. You want to talk about some of those ventures? Well, I can talk about all of them. They're all my little babies. I love what we're doing. Tell uh, me about your babies. Yeah, well, in line with the electrification of the resort with this hydro wheel, we are looking for support and help to electrify our three buses that we have for our grizzly tours up in Toba. It's something that can be done. We're really in touch with what's happening in the industry to make sure that we have a good option for us. We're in touch with three companies, two in Quebec, one back in Saskatchewan that works with um, a sister company in LA. We don't need 600 kilometers of range. We need maybe a few hundred a day for our buses to travel our guests around the Toba. We can then plug them at night. I cannot wait for this. And at the same time, we would like to have a shuttle on Cortez to go from the community to the Gorge, which is our new resort. We would like this bus to be electrified. So that's for the electrification of our fleet. Then you mentioned the hydroponic greenhouse. We have challenges in getting fresh 
produce at the resort sometime, and even on the island on Cortez. So there's that amazing company called Grocer, and that's what they do. They basically build a container where you can grow salads, spices, all kinds of different variety of uh, produce that are completely natural and uh, organic. For me, that's amazing. I really want this to happen as well. The more we grow in terms of company and in terms of businesses that we have, for example, we have at the Close Resort, we have a full-time kitchen there running uh, for guests. The Gorge, evidently the Gorge has a store, but has also a restaurant. So it's kind of controlling the supply chain, controlling what we can control. And by having this container supplying us with different spices and produce, fresh produce that we can right away sell the, the next day after they're harvested, for me, it's amazing. There's a lot of uh, support out there for these type of endeavors. And I'm confident that court, that Clahoos will have that type of facility very soon under QXNC, under the cor- corporation. Can you talk about your seaweed ventures? Yes, of course. We have to go back a little bit. I was almost at the beginning of my tenure at QXMC. My employee, Paul Muskie, kept telling me, Bruno, there's seaweed coming. We need to do seaweed. We need to look into seaweed. There's this new company called Cascadia. They're doing a roundtable in Nanaimo. Everybody who's someone in the seaweed industry will be there. We should go. So there we went. Uh, it was a rainy Saturday morning of February. We went down to Nanaimo and it opened my eyes. So all the credit to Paul. From that day, I said, yeah, let's not only be an early adopter of this movement. Let's be part of the movement. In, at QXMC in Clahous, we had a lot of tenures around Cortez that were not uh, being exploited, basically. They were just dormant. We have the titles, we pay rent to the province, but we didn't do anything with them. So we decided, let's do right away an agreement with Cascadia. Let's rent out some tenures to grow seaweed. And on top of that, we managed to deal a profit-sharing agreement with Cascadia. So they are trailblazers in this industry. Seaweed is more known about in Europe and in Asia, but here it was pretty new. There's a lot of resistance and sometimes it's just ignorance. People don't know. So there's a lot of education needed and Cascadia is doing an amazing job. So by joining forces with them and being partners with them, we really hope to be an important player and to be part of that movement as well. Do you have any other ventures that you wanted to mention? Well, last year we purchased a water taxi. Again, beautiful vessel at the beginning of my my time at Clahous. I looked at all the expenses and each of our industries would spend a lot of money in water taxis. So we made some mats, we made some scenarios, and we looked at what if we own our own at first to service our own companies, our own divisions. That's what we're doing right now. During spring, summer, fall, it's almost exclusively running to the resort, more than we anticipated. So it's great news because all that money that the resort is spending it, it stays in the family, basically. It's, it, we're paying another of our companies. If we really want to expand and make it a public water taxi, then we'll probably have to buy another vessel, to be honest with you, because we're almost booked full-time with ours right now. Could you talk about your recent real estate purchases on Cortez Island, maybe starting with a waterfront property in Squirrel Cove? That's an amazing property that a lot of work has been done by Kathy Francis to bring it uh, addition to reserve property. It is under QXMC, and we plan to do RV and camping ground. Um, We already started preliminary plans, and we're looking at the capacity. We're looking, obviously, at septic, at water, electricity. 
but uh, in the short to midterm, we would like to have a, uh, a RV camping facility up and running in, on this property. We're considering all the data that is thrown at us by, by specialists and, and experts. We would like 30 RVs and probably 40 camping for tents. So that's the latest number or the magic number. Do you have a date? We're hoping for next season to be, not this summer, but in a year, for it to be ready. Is that primarily on the uh, ocean side of the road? Yes, absolutely. There's a little section on the other side of the road, but that would be on the ocean side. Tell us about your plans for Gorge Harbor Marina. There's several services that we would like to bring, or at least improve uh, upon what we have already. Gas station, probably a bigger grocery store. Again, we have amazing employees at the Gorge that know what people want to buy. They have that knowledge and that uh, sensitivity in terms of purchasing that is uh, very unique and we, we value it very much so. But if we could give them a bigger facility where uh, storage is easier, where deliveries are made easier as well. We don't have a concrete idea of what we want, but we would like to have a better store. We would like to have a better gas station with more pumps. Also, one thing that is critical on the island, lodging, accommodation. So eventually, if we could have a 10, 20 units, small apartments, fully furnished, something that would really answer at least one layer of the lodging issue on Cortez. Are you thinking of 20 short-term or long-term units? I know some of them would probably be for our own staff because you cannot attract staff if you don't have anywhere to, to put them. But our plan is to really have long-term tenants as well. We've been talking a lot about it. There's different models of rentals, but we want to find the right one. One and a half, two and a half, two bedrooms, fully furnished uh, or not. It all depends. If, for example, if we build 20 and our staff takes 10, then we're happy to rent the other 10 to long-term tenants. So it's not uh, set in stone yet, but, but we're trying to really do things well again. Do you have a time scheme? Are you saying like in five years? No, this has to be done within 18 months to two years because the property is ready to go. This summer, we'll have a few RVs there for staff, temporary. But I don't see any, any reason why the plans shouldn't be ready in the next few months. Then it's just a matter of setting a date. Obviously, during peak season, no. So that would push us to August, September. So we could start building, uh, breaking ground, maybe September, October. I hope this isn't rude, but where are you getting all the money to do this stuff? Obviously, forestry is a big supporter of the other division's projects. We generate a little bit of money with forestry, which helps us start up those new businesses. But that's just part of it. The rest is available out there. If a project makes sense, if a project is aligned with some kind of logic and vision, and strategic plan that we have for a corporation, people out there have money to help you. Uh, and when I mention people, most of the time, the government, there's a lot of great initiatives, great entities that support projects like these ones for First Nations. It's just a matter of being out there, of promoting uh, what we're doing, of keeping in touch with these people, of um, reporting properly as well. And that's something that for me is really important is if someone helps us, I'll make sure that we will report to them what we've been doing with their help. We will promote as much as possible the accomplishments, the jobs that were created with their help. So it's a give and give 
transaction relationship. Back to, to your initial question, there's funds out there to help First Nations and corporations owned by First Nations. If a project is worth doing, you better be sure that it's going to happen. The job that it creates, the legacy that it leaves behind, and also it inspires us to do more. For example, we never ran a water taxi before. So we were always, like everybody else, we would rent out a water taxi. But by doing so, you never really get into the details and the intricacies of running a water taxi business. When you have your two feet in it, then you have no choice to learn about it. Not all endeavors work long term, but at least for the time being, if we can keep that corporate data, that corporate memory within the organization, it will help us for any other project that we will uh, try later. So I never see these projects as ultimately successes or failures. For me, it's, it's always an opportunity to grow. Hopefully none of them will fail, but we, we often learn more in failure than successes. You've been listening to an interview with Bruno Perora, the manager of Quatham Legus, about some of the projects they've undertaken and the philosophy that has made Quatham Legus what it is today. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. Goodbye. <laughs>